Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Nace Pod. I haven't done one of these for a while, um, so here we go. But uh, kind of jumping in 10 minutes into just me and John here. I've got John Pocock with me. We're going to have a chat about some stuff. So, yeah, so welcome, John. Hi, thanks, thanks, thanks for inviting me, Nate. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for opening up your lovely home, your office, and uh, it's, it's great to be here. Now, we. Um, We've kind of known each other for quite a while, really. Yeah, just a just a bit. I've I've, I've known you since yeah, yes, yeah, yes, since before right. since before you were born, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, we've kind of uh, grown up and seen each other in various places and churches and uh, stuff like that. Uh, so it's great to be able to chat with you. And we've um, recently been uh, teaching and leading on a school, Kingdom Life School, together and doing some stuff on there. Uh, and so you know, just as we start, one of the the things that made me want to talk to you and pick your brains about some stuff was that you were sharing on on the uh, history of Christianity you're kind of taking us through seeing a different how God's been working all the way through and the revelations we've gone through of God and Jesus and Spirit and Father and all that stuff but it was more the fact that at the beginning of of that session where it was meant to be on church history you began talking about um so particularly in my head is this uh, the the navigation on the water yeah yeah the seas. yeah yeah so i wonder if you could just start off by telling us kind of the the bit that you have from from the kind of seafaring oh yeah yeah okay yeah the 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 thing that i mean i i guess we'll kind of we, we might end up talking some more about this but i can remember i mean years ago watching 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 surfers and and thinking about waves and thinking about waves of the spirit and all this this kind of stuff that people have been talking about and talking about for years and years and years and years and years and and it's like you know every it seems it seems to me almost like every year for the last 30 years someone's been standing up and saying this year there's a wave wave of the spirit coming in and and it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be brilliant and and everybody kind of lives for um, lives for that future thing. And as I was thinking about it, and and thinking, I suppose thinking about you know, actually, what a surfer does is, well, in a sense, not much. <laughs> um, my my boys surf and i and i do i do some surf surf kayaking so i know that's not really quite true um it's it's blooming hard work getting out through the waves so you you struggle out through the waves um and then you sit there and you wait for a wave that looks as though you can catch it and you try and catch it and if things is think if things are really great you catch it and you ride it into the sand and that's absolutely blooming wonderful and then and then you've got to do it all over again. <laughs> and it's and, and I, as I thought about this, as I meditated on this, it's this this phrase kind of came to me. It was it was like we're supposed to be seafarers and not surfers. You know, scripture talks about the the sons of sons of Issachar who knew the signs of the times knew knew what uh, what Israel should do and 
it kind of grew in me this thought, actually, we have we have got to not to just be trying to catch the catch the wave, catch the but but actually, yeah, to know how to not actually, you know, a boat doesn't ride the waves. A boat navigates the waves. It it knows it's going somewhere and it knows how how to how to read the sea and i was thinking the thing that kind of caught you nath was was the um the maps that are used by the polynesians who are probably the greatest seafarers that that we've had in history you know the, these people who you know out out from you know from the coast of africa or the coast of south america or something and sailing on balsa rafts out to Easter Island. You know, these are people who lived on the sea and knew, they knew the ways of the sea. And they, they navigated with these amazing, when you look at them, they just look like artworks. They're just sort of woven patterns of sticks. But each of these woven patterns tells them about the waves and tells them what the waves are going to look like as they get to a particular place or as they're heading for a particular place. And they use these these wave maps to navigate. And I think we have to learn not to be always looking for the, the next wave, the next big thing, but to to sail with the waves of the spirit, to allow the everyday, everything that's going on, to allow God to take us in whatever direction, you know, he, he's, he's calling us to go in. But it's about, it's about learning the ways of the sea, the learning the ways of the spirit, learning not, yeah, not how to, how to always be looking for the next, the next thing, the next big thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. We get caught in the, when I have, um, when I get that, I mean, even, even in terms of our lives, it's like, yeah. Oh, when I've got this qualification, yeah. When I've got that house, when I've got, you know, this many children, yeah. Then I will be happy. Then I will be content. Yeah. You know, we, Think think about it this way. I mean, do you, do you realize that there is literally there is only one place where you can connect with God. It's called now. <laughs> yeah. You can't connect with God in the past because the past is gone. Yeah. Whatever you experience, the past has gone. You cannot connect with it. I'm sorry. You cannot connect with God in the future, whatever the future is going to look like, because the future isn't there yet. You can't get there. And if you can't get there, you can't connect with God there. The only place you can connect with God is right here, right now, in this moment. Yeah? and Because the, the future is only one second away. It's right here, right now, as you are, where you are, what you're doing, 
what you're thinking, what you're experiencing at this moment is the only place, time and place that you can connect with God. to do do you think there are you know kind of I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not convinced that there are I, re- I really am not I there's there's a very real sense in which in which I think I really do believe that God that God is creating the future out of our choices today mm. in, in many ways it doesn't make sense otherwise because otherwise you have to basically say whatever happens in the future nice or nasty was effectively was intended by god because he may you know and okay if i were a calvinist i'd have to i would i would believe that because you know but then then i am definitely not a calvinist um because I, I, I'm afraid, I, you know, fundamentally, I know my father. My father is good. And to say he's good isn't just a random label. You know, some people, some people will, will say, oh, oh, yeah, but you see, you know, his his ways are beyond our our understanding and what he sees as good is not necessarily what we see as good and i'm thinking then that makes the word meaningless because labeling god as good there's got to be some connection of the word good with what i understand as good what relates to me as good otherwise it's a meaningless statement i might as well say god is flubelblop it will just have as much meaning. <laughs> yeah? yeah. And, and you know, Jesus, in a sense, Jesus pointed us in that direction because he said, look, if you want to know what God's like as a father, okay, look at your fathering. If, if you're a father, you ain't going to give your kids stones when they ask for bread, scorpions when they ask for fish. Yeah? If God's a good father, he's going to do at least as well as that. If not better, you know, he's going to be able to do better than that, but he's going to do at least as well as that. And you can begin to judge your understanding of the goodness of God's God as a father by understanding what a good father actually looks like and how a good father behaves. Which is which is to say, when you say God is good, when you say God is love, when you say all these things, you've got to be able to connect them 
with a meaning that resonates. It's not enough to say God's beyond our understanding. Because in that case, well, I don't know where you are. And I certainly don't know where Jesus fits into it If <laughs> in that scenario. Because it becomes meaningless. And so you have to, and, and kind of that's, that's this fundamental thing, you know. From, from my point of view, he's father. You know, he's a good father. Yeah. yeah? God is love. And, and, you know, God is love says that's the fundamental, fundamentally who, what he, what he is. Yeah. And there's lots of other things we can say about, you know, we say God is good, but there's a difference between God is good and God is goodness. There's a difference between God is just and God is justice. But God is love, which means he is loving. But he is love. That's the fundamental nature. And anything else that you say about God has got to be understandable as an expression of who he is. In other words, love. So, so now you didn't, I, I assume you didn't just, um, as a child growing up, you kind of had all of this, um, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, yeah. To go up through childhood was all of this already something that you experienced or that you had an inkling of or i mean how because how do you get to where you are now where god god is absolutely love yes. everything is now okay and we have far more power and you know in 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 uh, in this world than we actually thought if god is actually you know creating the future out of our actions so i assume you didn't have this growing up as a as a kid, you didn't just grow up like this. So, where, so what's the journey? What's the ju- what's the journey? Well, it's an, it's an interesting one. See, because I, I, as I look back on it, it's a funny. I all I came from a non Christian family. I, as far as I know, in both my mum's side and my dad's side, I'm the first Christian that I've I've found. Um, and. But somehow or other, when I was a kid, I knew God was there, and somehow or other you could you could find him. Somehow or other it was he was accessible. No idea how, but I knew he was there. And and you know, the, my my journey through through childhood just, you know not necessarily particularly happy, but you know, we another time, another place. Um but through through that, I I kind of, you know, I ended up because my parents my parents had been churchgoers, got offended by the vicar, stopped, you know, the the, mm. the the usual. But but I remember I can remember badgering them to let me go to Sunday school, badgering them to let me get confirmed, then badgering them to let me go to a crusader Bible class, which a couple of my friends went to. Um, as at that Crusader Bible class, I discovered, you know, he'd revealed himself in Jesus. His name was Jesus, um, and and this this was how I found this God I'd been I'd been looking for, and uh, you know, and that was brilliant. Except I was never convinced 
that he'd really accepted me. And I, you know, I'm one of the one of these people that that for about you know three years after I became a Christian stood up at every appeal because I wasn't sure I was really saved. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but this was this was early days of the of the charismatic movement, um, and uh, a guy came to move moved to our area, came to our church, who'd who'd been in Terry Virgo's church down in Seaford. And he took over the youth work in the church, and um, I got I got really close to him and him and his wife. Um, now, un- unbeknownst to me, of course, he'd come from Terry Virgo's church in Seaford, and so he was part of the charismatic movement, and he was filled with the spirit and all all the rest of it. And this was a brethren church, um, and they'd made it very clear to him that yeah, with, he was very welcome, and they wanted him to, um, you know, he was very happy for him to look after you. But you are not to talk about baptism in the spirit under any circumstances. <laughs> Trouble is, he had books on his bookshelf, and I love books. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, so I ended up, yeah, I ended up filled with the spirit. Um, kicked out of the brethren church <laughs> yeah uh very very much into the early days of house church and very with some some very very prophetic people mm. um and you know a journey through you know in one sense for a lot of it, a lot of very conventional charismatic journey um but very often always with a sense of, you know, a bit, bit on the outside. I, I can remember I always used to say to people, it, it feels like <laughs> it feels like God never expected me to get saved. And, um, <laughs> and, and when I did, he was too nice not to accept me. But actually, he didn't really know what to do with me. <laughs> and, and that's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, uh, and part of that was because I've, I, I've always been attracted to to the radical edge of edge of things mm. um it's always it, it's just just the way i work i i can't accept things if i don't at least have some image of how they work and why they work mm. yeah it's a bit like when i because i I'm, I'm a mathematician by original training and and i remember first year at university the um we had a course which was basically trying to teach us all the important techniques that we needed to know in order to do the rest of the course. And, and you know, they, it was like, look, just learn them. OK, don't don't worry about how they work or why they work. Just learn them and use them. And eventually we'll tell you. I nearly failed that course because <laughs> I can't unless I understand how they work. Yeah. I can't I can't do it. So it, that's always been that I, I, I want to get to the roots of things. I want to I, I want things to make sense i want things to fit together i want to understand how they work and why they work and and all the rest of it and that's always been the case so for a lot of time i kind of i suppose i've been a bit of a sore thumb sticking out because mm. um and i've latched on to all sorts of, of radical you know uh you know the the people that i was with in house church it was it was all about the the, the radical the radical role of the prophetic in the in the end times and Lots of stuff about the end times, and and then you know we went on into charismatic and 
and you know prosperity and and all of the stuff that's gone through um and all of that time this niggle was 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 there and then i mean you'll you'll know the story i won't go into the depth of the story but in in the end Merle and i um we're just beginning to kind of hunt out something about this business of God being a father. Mm. Um, and it eventually on a, what was called an A school with, with James and Denise Jordan, it kind of hit us and nothing has ever been the same since. Um, when I experienced God's fathering, when I experienced him as a father, it, absolutely you know in the over, over the course of a of, of a week changed everything i thought about what being a christian w- was all about and that's foundational now and and basically the journey at the moment is simply this god is god is a perfect father mm. if he's a perfect father he behaves as a perfect father and you know, I may I may have some funny images of of what fathering is like, and I've not necessarily been a brilliant father myself. But Jesus said, "Understand God's fathering by looking at good fathering." And what? And so it's it's always okay. Is that how a good father behaves? Mm-hmm. Is that is that God acting as a father? Because He is a father. You know, my friend Trevor Galpin says, "You got to understand, God is father." Yeah, he is father. God's just his job. <laughs> yeah, he is father. He's the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the, you know, the perfect father. Yeah, yeah? and Jesus is the perfect image of the father. And so you can ask yourself, can I imagine Jesus doing that? You know, the Jesus that I see in the New Testament Sometimes you ask yourself, can I see him doing that? Well, no, I can't see him doing that. That's probably not God then. Does that sound like something that he'd say? No. Doesn't sound like something that he'd say. Doesn't sound like something that a father would say to his kids. Probably not him then. salvation so you said growing up you didn't you're one of those where you weren't sure you were saved i think everybody's had that yeah feeling of you you know you've said a prayer or something and you you know say jesus come into my life and you thought okay now some people have had radical experiences and it's kind of yeah you know um 
So what, what do you think salvation is? I know that's a big question. Wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. How many years have you got? No. What do I think salvation is? Salvation is coming home as a son, as a daughter to the father. That's, that's yeah, that's, that's what it is. And, um, you know, I could say lots of things about salvation because I think scripturally salvation is something very different from what we generally talk about it of because it's really interesting that everything is now salvation when you actually think think about all the, the things that says about salvation okay it's all about save yourself from this wicked generation it's all about save yourself save yourself from what's going on now not about saving yourself for something in the future mm. interesting thought isn't it mm. yeah but but there's nothing about saving yourself from something that's going to happen in the future it's save yourself from this wicked generation save yourself from what's going on now save yourself from being from from the the brokenness and the crushing and the pain and the hurt of living in this fallen world save yourself from living in orphanness yeah save yourself from living in the consequences of yours and other people's actions. Because let's be honest, the other thing that's now is hell too. Because there's an awful lot of people out there who are definitely living in hell. Yeah. You only have to ask them. Yeah? And it's save yourself. It's come home. Don't be an orphan anymore. Come home to a father who loves you and accepts you and will be a father to you. Mm. You know, I will be a father to you, he says. I'm a father to the fatherless. So what about... <clears throat> um, how do I phrase this? What about... Uh, you, you're, what you would be seen as one that hasn't come home and then you die... Now, I realise no one actually knows what happens when you die. So if you haven't come home to God in this, in the, kind of in this life, in this, this realm, what do you think happens? Does that mean you're absolutely out in the next life? Or does that mean I'm still going to have a chance? Or... or Do you, want, do you want do you want the safe answer or do you want what I what I have come to come to firmly believe? I want what you've come to firmly believe. Let's not go safe now, John. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. Well, my I, I guess you know my starting point is if he is God and, and he doesn't change. What is it about the moment when my physical life ceases that changes him from somebody who loves me and absolutely accepts me? Yeah? 
into something else? Does he stop being a father to me at the moment when I cease to be alive physically? That somehow doesn't make sense. If he is God and he doesn't change and he says he doesn't change, mm. then that would suggest that his, his attitude to me changes at that point. That, that doesn't, doesn't somehow make, make any sense, really. Yeah. yeah? So... That's that's kind of a a significant thing, really, and so I guess the simple answer is that I think I actually do think that there is that there is still a chance. I'm not a person okay let's let's be absolutely clear I am I'm I'm not I used to be an, an annihilationist um and I'm not really an in, an infernalist um a lot of people will say and you know you'll hear I've Danny Silk said it in in his his latest book and C.S. Lewis often said it, you know, hell is the place for the people who have chosen to, chosen to reject God. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis said the door of hell is shut from the inside. Yeah. Um, but somehow, somehow that seems to put a limitation on God. I, I suspect, actually, that the Spirit of God continues to work in us because the scripture says that he intends he intends he will reconcile all things to himself and i think all things means all things um that he's going to sum up everything in christ yeah it says that every knee will bow it says, as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. And I think that's a really, really important one, you know, because we, we, know, we, we assert that in Adam all die, meaning every man without exception. And although all can sometimes mean all without distinction as opposed to all without exception, You'd think that if Paul was changing the meaning of all within four words of the same sentence, he might give us some clue that that's what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't. Yeah. He said all and all. Yeah. And so I think that there is and and, and, and it says, you know, every knee shall bow. Now, on the basis that that we were talking talking beforehand, I, I I cannot see anywhere actually in the character of God revealed in Jesus that God's way is to defeat force with, force with superior force. Mm. That I cannot imagine that our Father God 
a God who is love could be in any sense satisfied with forced obedience, that that must mean a a willing obedience Mm -hmm. from every knee. And so I think there is a there is a there is a process, you know, in in which death is just one point. You know, and, and for those of us who have acknowledged our need and have come home during this life, then then you know, we're home and that's that. But God is going to bring all his children home. Whatever he has to take them through in order for them to willingly and joyfully come home. You know, it might be a painful process that they have to go through. But but I I I have I've come to that conclusion. Mm. And you know, one it, this that is potentially sets off all sorts of um, of, of heresy hunters and, and, and whatever. But you know, the interesting thing is if you look at the history of the church, um that is the view which was the vastly predominant majority view for the first 500 years of church history. Wow. Of the five, of the five, um, yeah, five main theology schools of the first of the first 500 years, only one believed in anything other than. Um, well, I think no. I think one of them believed, one one of them was was heading towards annihilationism, but essentially the 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 vast majority view was in was in terms of of universal reconciliation. Mm. Yeah, not not universalism. Not it's all okay. Not you know you you you're all right, mate. It doesn't matter what you do, and you know no sin doesn't matter. But. What the scripture says, which is it is God's intent to reconcile all things. And he will do that because he, he's capable of doing it. Mm. Yeah. You know, there are there are three. It's an interesting one. You see, there are there are three, three, three propositions. OK. That I can give. And actually, you can find scripture to justify every one of these. OK. The first one says that God desires all men to come to a saving knowledge of him, himself. Yeah. He wants all his kids with him. OK. You can think of scriptures to justify that. Plenty of them. Yeah. The next one says what God wants, he is capable of achieving. Yeah, he's omnipotent. What he wants, he is capable of achieving. He knows how to do it and he's capable of doing it. Okay? You'll find lots of scriptures for that. Okay, There's a third proposition that says some of God's children will be separated from him for eternity. Whether you see, see that in terms of a, um, of, a, of a hell whose doors are shut from the inside, whether you see it in terms of annihilation, whether you see it in terms of, of, of an eternal hell. Yeah. And there are scriptures that you can use to justify those. There's just one problem. They can't all three be true. It's not possible, is it? If God wants everyone to be saved and he's capable of achieving whatever he wants. Then 
there's no chance that anyone is going to be separated from him eternally. If anyone is going to be separated from him eternally, then either he doesn't want them to be with him. That would be the Calvinist position. Or he's not capable of doing it. That would be the Arminian and the free will theist position. The first one, as far as I'm concerned, that's not the God I see in Jesus. Actually, if I'm honest, a God who would be like that, I don't, it's not nice to know. Yeah, that's, that's not in, in any sense of righteousness, justice, all the rest of it. That's not, a, you know, doesn't make sense. Okay, there are lots of people, therefore, who will say, well, then it's the second one that's that's not true, that God is actually not capable of achieving any any of his because effectively, because for whatever reason, he's chosen to give the free will of man something a, a bigger place than his his nature and his desire and his love and therefore because people are choosing to you know separate themselves from him he he'll he'll allow that because he doesn't he he has no way and doesn't know how to get them to willingly come home well that's a very limited god <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and and people will say, oh yeah, but you know, you if you you know you have free will, you know you can choose, to... and and love will not. And I I used to say it, yeah, love will not override free will. A pile of garbage. If think of think of one of your little girls, yeah, you know she's she's grown up a bit. And, you know, sadly, she's gone off the rails. I'm sure she won't. All right. But just imagine for a moment. Yeah. And and somebody's deceived her and she's taking some, she's got hooked on some, some drug or other that has absolutely convinced her that she can go out up the top of the Grand Canyon and walk towards the edge and walk off and she can fly. And she's going to do it. Are you, as a loving father, going to just say, oh, well, that's her free will then? <laughs> no, you're, you're not, are you? Yeah, you will. You will restrain her. Yeah. You will override her free will because her free will is actually screwed up at that point. And until she is in her right mind, and there may be a long process to get her into, back into her right mind, but you'll do whatever it takes to get her back into her right mind. So it's nonsense to say that love will never override free will.
let's let's just be clear because people will come back and say oh well you know there's no need to evangelize there's no need to okay the bible is very clear that that process and it and it is you see it is it is the process it's the process that we we teach to people you know uh you know, danny's danny silk's just written a book about it you know forgiveness and then the choice between a process of reconciliation and restoration or a process of boundaries and limitations for for everybody's protection yeah the thing is that it's not Necess- it, it, the Bible is very clear that hell is not a, not a place you want to be. Yeah, that 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 ongoing process. If you've if you've not, you know, you've not accepted. Hey, you know what? I screwed up. Yeah, I want to come home. You know, and you're welcome welcomed home. And then there's a learning process, and we go through that. You know, but because. We have received our sonship. I'll talk about receiving our sonship in, in a minute. But because we've received our sonship, you know, whoever's in me believes in me, says Jesus, doesn't come to judgment. They've been judged already. Yeah, they, they don't come to judgment. You, you, you're, you've, you're escaped from that. If you haven't, you do come to judgment. What is judgment? Judgment is... And here we get to a big one because God's God's judgment has got to be an expression of love because he's love. Mm. Yeah. So God's judgment can never be retributive, can never be punishment for the sake of punishment. Yeah. God's justice is always restorative. Yeah. It's always about bringing you back. But that process can be painful. Because experiencing that judgment, you know, let's be honest, what what it probably at least includes is you really understanding and really experiencing the real consequences of the lousy choices you've made. Yeah. If I could see. You know, we talk about generational sin and and, and all that all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, if I could see down the generations the pain and brokenness caused to my descendants by my bad choices, let alone the you know the consequences for other people of of my bad choices, man, you know. And if I have to, and if I have to, um, you know, experience in myself all of the feelings that all of those people have, because it's always the case that the rest, rest, reconciliation and restoration process understands something of you have to appreciate the consequences of what you've done. You know, that's that's if you look at a twelve-step program or whatever, that's that, that's what it does. If you really had to to come to a, a genuine heart understanding of the consequences and the impact and the seriousness of sin. Isn't that living in hell? 
I wouldn't want to live with that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to have to go through that. There's a jolly good reason to, to not want to, to want to not come to that judgment. <laughs> it's not nice. Yeah, it, it, you know, OK, at least it has an end. But it's 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 not nice. It's not somewhere you want to go. And so, yeah, absolutely. There's a, a reason to proclaim the good news. Absolutely. There's a reason to invite the orphans home. Absolutely, there's a reason to introduce them to this inc- this incredible father. <laughs> but, but yeah, and but coming home to that 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 sonship, the the adoption, but that I mean that's 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 a wonderful thing because we adoption's a lousy translation because we receive the the adoption, you know, spirit of adoption, and we. We imagine that adoption, yeah, is it means what we mean by adoption, which is somebody outside of the family who's been rejected is now received into the family and treated as though they belong, which is absolutely nothing to do with what what's behind that word. That word literally in the Greek it means sun placing. Okay, nothing to do with baptism. It's, it means sun placing and and where, what it's tied in with in, culturally in 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 those days it it was when when a father chose which of his sons to des- designate as his heir okay and because it wasn't automatically the eldest in those days the father chose yeah and and indeed if he didn't have a if he didn't have any sons right he could he literally he could go and buy a son from somebody else <laughs> but anyway but he would choose amongst the, okay this son is going to be my heir okay and the son placing was a ceremony whereby he took the boy into the public forum Okay. He gave him the toga of adulthood to replace his tunic as a boy. Yeah. He said the words, This is my beloved son. I am proud of him. Heard those words? Yes, that was the words that the Roman father used over his son at the sun placing. And he conferred in that ceremony on his son all of his own authority. He was saying to the to, to everyone in the public forum, when you deal with this boy, he's not a boy anymore, he's a man. When you deal with him, you're dealing with me. He has my full authority. What he does, I'm doing. What you do to him, you do to me. He has access to everything that is mine. That's adoption. That's sun placing. That's what we come home to. That's the prodigal coming home and receiving the best robe and the ring and the sandals. It's a sun placing. And that's what we receive. That's what we said. We've received 
the spirit of adoption. That's what that is. That we, you know, it's not that we were outside and have, you know, been very kindly brought in. But that we have always been inside. And now we are elevated, released into the reality of who we really are. Yeah, that's what Paul says. When the when the when the son is when the son is a child, he's under tutors. But then there comes the day when the father goes to the to the the you know to the tutor and takes the son from the tutor and takes the son into the forum and places him in authority. His son places him. Is so as we kind of come to the end, I've got I've got a couple of more questions. Um, if, if 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 someone was standing in front of you and you you didn't know if they were they believed or didn't believe or whatever, um, and you had three things that you could say to them that you would say, This is what I've this is what I've learnt. What three things or, you know, maybe five. Yeah. Um, or one thing, <laughs> whatever you feel. What would you say to them? That you, you, How would you impart some of what you've lived through and learned? That's a, now, there's, a, there's, there's, there's an unexpected challenge. Okay. Yeah, so, all right, I'm just going to, just, just off the top of my head, I'm just yeah, going yeah, to so imagine. Not gonna hold, I'm not going to hold you to it, John. No, oh, right, okay. <laughs> so... Let's. I start. Yeah. Okay. So you have a father who imagined you before the beginning of time, and what he imagined seemed to him such a good idea that he had to make space in the universe that he was about to create where that that person that son that daughter could exist could express themselves could express everything that he'd imagined and that he could enjoy relationship with that you're here because God loves you God thinks you are an absolutely brilliant idea <laughs> and he wants you to experience the full joys and the full benefit of his fathering and your sonship. I think that's probably the 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 base. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the basics. There's loads of loads of it there. You know? Uh, that you know, he he has loved you, he does love you. And I guess the other thing that I would say is is this. You're forgiven. God, 
God forgives. He's forgiven in Jesus. Yeah? We could talk a bit more about that, but God forgives. He always forgives. He instantly forgives. The question is, will you be reconciled to him? Will you come home? He's not holding anything against you. He just wants you home. He's not going to give you a lecture. He's not going to put you on probation. He just wants you home. My name, yeah, my name, yeah, I'm John Pocock. Um, yeah, I, I, I split my life half and half between between counselling and software development. And I'm a dad. That's much more important, actually. <laughs> I'm, a da- I'm, 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 I'm a dad to three boys and a, a, a granddad to three boys and three girls and a husband. And those are the things that matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you, man. That's a lot of fun. <laughs>